What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. I got a special episode here for you today, so we're going to try something a little bit new. Stuff I've done similarly in the past. I've done, like, you know, solo live streams, taking calls from the audience. But uh, today we're doing a, a, a Rebunked rabbit hole. So it's a new thing I might throw in every now and then. Not going to commit to it on a regular, ongoing basis. But at the same time, I got a little bit of free time today, and I've been kicking this idea around for a while. Now, it's a topic that I have covered or we covered back in the true zilla days i think we did a mind control episode and the false memory syndrome foundation popped up then but uh yeah i want to do a deep dive because i haven't heard it discussed i don't think there's any shows out there i haven't heard on any of these alternative platforms i've heard it maybe come up in passing um and in in doing research for this episode i tried to pull up some other podcasts out there to see you know glean some new information and the one episode or the one show that actually i noticed did do a deep dive on it was the Nick Bryant podcast. So big shout out to Nick Bryant. He's the author of the Franklin cover up the Franklin scandal book. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, let's see. Yeah. Going out live on Rockfin right now, YouTube. It looks like the my rumble one didn't go cause I didn't update the stream key, but that's okay. We're going to keep pushing and I'll upload that later. So you guys, all right. So this is gonna be a fantastic episode. Now, originally I was going to put this episode out strictly for Rockfin premium subscribers only, but at the last minute, I decided, no, I'm just going to put it out for free. I'm going to put it out for everybody. Everybody could jump in on the action. Everybody could jump in on the fun. But at the same time, I want to encourage you guys, you know, if you if you get any value out of the show, you know, you should support it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I support, There's a lot of shows I support uh, financially. So I'm trying to increase my offer, increase the value of the offer that I have here by giving you guys like some bonus deep dive episodes as well for free. So if you want to support the show, I definitely, uh, I'll, I'll show you a couple ways to do it. Okay. So if you head over to the website, rebunked.news, that's the main platform that I'm on. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see various value for value donation options. That's always there. That's cool. That's awesome. But if you want some, like some return on your investment, I uh, really want you to sign up for the, uh, subscribe star. Okay. So subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked. You can sign up for five bucks a month. You can get the premium content. Um, I haven't been, I, I know I just keep saying it. I'll do a better job of putting up more content, but I have continued to fail in that regard, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. But in the meantime, five bucks a month in the hat really goes a long ways to help support the show. If you want to get a t-shirt, a rebunked t-shirt, that also helps. It supports me and it also helps a Liberty minded t-shirt shop in Beaverton, Oregon called big frog t-shirts. And there's all kinds of different, different designs. My favorite is compliance is violence. I think that's hilarious. You can't depopulate an idea. I see false flags. We are many, they are few, or just the standard Rebunk logo t-shirt. So head over to rebunk.news forward slash shirts, or there's a link to it on the rebunk.news webpage right at the top there. Um, the heavy metal detox that I just can't talk enough about is, is Truth TRS. TRS is a heavy metal detox spray. Five sprays in your mouth a day. It goes in and absorbs all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body, absorbs them, flushes them out. You know, I've forgotten nothing but good feedback from everybody that's used it. Um, it's just a fantastic product and I can't, uh, say highly enough. I've used it off and on for the last couple of years. Um, and, and like for me, the big, the biggest thing that I noticed was just like the brain, like, I didn't even know I had brain fog, but after I started using it for a couple of weeks, I just felt way more clear and focused and just, just sharper. Like it was fantastic. So kind of scary too, just to think that we don't even, we aren't even aware of all the crap that they're inundating with uh, us with. So Anyway, yeah, so I, I can't say enough positive things about uh, Truth TRS, so learn more at truthtrs.com. And, of course, a new sponsor of the show, you guys, Autonomy. Autonomy is a great uh, – so so this is after Richard Grove came on the show. Um, they offered me a, a uh, an affiliate link to their program. So Autonomy is basically a 12-week course. You go in there, and they're going to teach you all sorts of entrepreneurial uh, – just, just all these skills that make you a much better and successful person in life. Um, if you go to the episode description, you're going to see a link. And you'll see an autonomy. So click on the link in the episode description. It'll take you to their autonomy obstacle course and see if it's a good fit for you. And if you do sign up for it, then I get a little bit of kickback for that. So it's a great way to support the show. But if nothing else, just go learn about it. So click the link in the episode description and uh, see if autonomy is a good fit for you. Now, before we get too far into it, this, so this is kind of fun. This is kind of fun stuff. So there's this guy, Titus Frost. And I got nothing, but, you know, I got nothing, nothing against him. You know what I'm saying? 
but he called me out a little bit. Like he, he, I was, I was posting some photos of my last week. You know, I went down to Austin and hung out with the Infowars crew and I was posting some photos from that. And, uh, so he called me out and apparently he's got a new little documentary, um, called just question mark, the info Infowars documentary. And it's basically an Alex Jones, a hit piece on Alex Jones. Right. And so he started calling me out on Twitter and this and that. I'm like, you know, oh, that's cool. That's cool. So I went and watched it. And you guys, I want to show you a clip. So this, this is just a small clip from his movie. Uh, I haven't watched the whole. I plan on watching it. It's uh, on his his channel. But anyway, check this out. This is just a small clip from the actual movie. Check it out. Anyway, so I just thought that was kind of cool. Like I'm being featured in an Alex Jones takedown video. So like, whoa, how cool is that, dude? And there's, there's my boys right there, Jason Burmis and freaking Derek bros. So he's coming after all of us guys. He's coming after us hardcore. So anyway, whatever, I got nothing to love. I actually offered Titus an invitation to come on the show and let's chat about it, dude. Let's chat about it. You know what I'm saying? Like I got, I got nothing but, uh, nothing but love dude. Like I know I'm not working for Mossad. I'm over here shilling subscribe star and t-shirts like Mossad. If you want to, okay, listen to this. Masad, if you want to give me some money, I'm not going to do anything that you say, but if you want to give me like a million, no, I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just kidding. It's just funny to me because like, I see that, like I got to hang out with the InfoWars people. I got to like, I see these people like they don't, I don't know, man. It just seems so crazy. To me. I don't know. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I just feel honored and privileged to be featured in an Alice Jones takedown film. Like that's pretty badass, actually. That You know, you made it once you've crossed that Rubicon here. So Let's see. So yeah, we got some people watching on Rockfin. That's awesome. Like I've got the chat pulled up right here. I've got like a little, my phone on a little thing here so I can keep an eye on the chat, but we're going to get into it here, you guys. So if you want to chat, if you want to participate, oh, Hamza, what's up, dude? If you guys want to participate in the chat, this will be like a back and forth type episode. I'm totally down with that, but uh, I've got a whole bunch of things pulled up here and it's, it's, uh, you know, I feel like in looking at this topic, the false memory syndrome foundation, I've only scratched the surface, like barely scratched the surface. I feel like there's so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a Zionist shill now, everybody. So I hate to inform you, but uh, it's official. So anyway, uh, let me let me get my uh, my little presentation pulled up here. And it's not so much a presentation and more so it's uh, it is just like a whole series of like uh, web pages I pulled up. Now, this shit gets pretty dark, dude. Like, it's crazy. And I just don't even, uh, I'm kind of kind of nervous to get into it here, but we're going to get into it. So, so let's, let's start off here. So let's start off. So what is the False Memory Syndrome Foundation? Okay, so the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, FMSF, um, was founded in uh, 1992, I believe. And uh, during that, so, so what happened was, is there was, a, there was a lady named Jennifer Fried, F-R-E-Y-D. Uh, I'm going to pull up her page here real quick and um, we'll get into it. So this is, this is the Dr. Jennifer fried. And it's interesting because I have a little bit of a connection with her. So she is a professor at the university of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon, which is where I came from. And I've been, you know, for the last 10 years. And I remember early on in Truthzilla, I reached out to her to see if she'd be willing to come on the show. Um, and uh, she she declined the interview, basically saying that she was really busy, but gave me some other resources to to reach out and uh, try and, and try and learn more about the idea of false memory, false memory syndrome, false memory syndrome foundation. But but this story is so crazy. And like here here's a good shout out right here. So there's an article written in this this journal, this online publication. I'm not sure the cut, the cut. If you just uh, do a search for the the articles called the Memory War. Um, this is, this, this article does a really good job of breaking down a lot of this stuff. And then this is like one of my sources, one of my main sources for this presentation that we're talking about today. Um, uh, so definitely want to recommend you guys go check it out. But basically the whole idea of the story is that like, so when Jennifer was, uh, an adult, so she was an adult, um, Dr. Jennifer Freed, Freed, Fried, I don't know. I think I've heard it pronounced fried. Uh, she was, uh, basically she, there was an incident where she was like going to therapy she was attending these th therapy sessions and, and while she was in therapy, something triggered a memory from her childhood. Right. And, uh, and several, several things kind of coalesced around the same time where she remembered this, this incident of like actually being sexually abused as a child from her own father. 
Okay. And you can imagine like if you're an adult and you all of a sudden have this flood of memories coming back to you, it's going to be shocking and overwhelming. And so, yeah, it was difficult. She like, she reports it was, it was hard for her to deal with. It was a difficult thing for her to process, you know? Um, and so going back, it's like, okay, so how do you even broach that subject? How do you even bring that up? And so, well, a little bit of information. So a little bit of backstory about the parents, right? So if we go back here, so if you go back, so this is, um, oh man, I need to find a better way to toggle these. All right. So here, here's the parents, right? Peter and Pamela fried. Okay. These were the parents. Now, Peter, he was a mathematician. Like they were both like academics, right? They were both, they were both like professors, teachers, PhDs, like academics. Right. And so, um, the dad, a mathematician was apparently kind of an eccentric type of dude. Like he was not a very good, I don't know, man. Like, so they, they, they describe him as being alcoholic. So he was alcoholic, right? You know, you guys all know I have a lot of compassion for that, but at the same time he was, um, like the way that it's described as like a very sex positive household. Um, the article describes how they had, uh, they had a pin art. Like, I don't know if you guys know what pin art is. Let me see. Pin art. Um, it's like one of those little things, like these things right here where like you, you stick your hand in it and like does like an impression. You know what I'm saying? So any of you that are just listening later, like, you, like I'm trying to describe it, you know, it's like, I remember they were popular in the nineties. Like you put your face on it with all the pins and it made like an impression of your face. Anyway, allegedly there was like the, the dude, Peter, the dad had like, uh, one of these in their living room with like a, with like a impression of his dick. Like, like his erect penis, like there was one of these in the living room of his, which is super strange. Okay. So that's weird. Uh, the other thing that's really strange is that Pamela and Peter were step siblings growing up. So they were step siblings. And then I believe they met when, uh, when, when they were like 12 and 14. So they were like early teenagers when their parents got married. And so they became step siblings and then they eventually grew up and got married and had kids together. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of already off to a kind of a strange start and now, okay. So then it even gets, yeah, pinhead. Yeah. So it even gets more interesting where Peter talks about how he was, he was actually, he was the victim of, of childhood sexual abuse as well. Like he's very open about that. And so he never disclosed who the person was that abused him, but apparently uh, the, the person that abused Peter as a kid was a very well-known quote unquote artist. Um, and Peter described himself as being a kept boy for this, for this well-known artist, right? Uh, apparently the man, what we know is that the man taught weekend art classes to children, uh, and a number of people became his victims over the years. Um, the artist became sexually abusing of Peter when he was around seven until about, about 11. So that's what we know. We know that the, the father was abused. Peter was abused as a child and he's open about it. Um, so, so Jennifer went on to seek therapy for this. Right. And, and she was like, you know, it, it was a, it was a, it was a difficult time in her life. And so, uh, what happened was, is that this was like, so the story kind of came to a head in 1990 when it was like a family Christmas, like they were supposed to have like a big family Christmas and they were have the, the parents, Peter and Pamela came to visit jennifer um and and during that time jennifer the daughter disclosed to her husband about this abuse that, that she had experienced right so this was like her coming clean and telling her husband about what had happened and the dad and the mom were in the house right there now at this time jennifer had children of her own so she had her own children and she and and that night they tried to like they tried to like be more protective or keep an eye on the kids, but it turned into such a stressful situation. They decided to just up and grab everything and leave. They grabbed everything and left. Okay. And they left the house. And then the next day, Peter, and Pamela, the mom and dad woke up and they're like, they called and they're like, Whoa, what happened? Why'd you guys leave in the middle of the night? What's going on here? And apparently Jennifer's husband got really upset and he confronted Pamela over the phone and said, Jennifer told me that, Peter molested her as a kid and we didn't want you guys to be around our children. And so they, they fled the house and that was like, Oh, so big family crisis, right? Obviously, uh, Peter, Pamela, we're now on the defensive and like, Oh God, what do we do now? What do we do now? So what do we do now? Right. I don't know. In a healthy family, 
I just, well, so obviously it's not a very healthy family to begin with, but, but like, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what Peter and Pamela did, you know, being academics, probably having a lot of connected connections and kind of academia and in other institutions, um, they started their own institution and the institution that they created in response to the allegations of their daughter was okay. So they basically made the assumption and made the claim that this was a false memory that, that Jennifer had somehow through therapy, through hypnosis, through some sort of regressive hypnotic process had been implanted these memories in her head that this was a therapeutic malpractice that there was a there was some sort of therapeutic malpractice on behalf of whoever it was she was seeking help from that uh installed these memories into her head that's the only explanation there's no chance that peter could have ever molested her that's definitely not a possibility at all this had to have been therapeutic malpractice from the person that Pamela was seen. And that was an interesting, like kind of a, a thing that I came across while researching all this is that, uh, you know, they're not saying that these kids or, or these adults that are having, and so this is the, the phenomenon basically is like all of these people in like the late eighties, early to mid nineties are starting to come forward with claims of childhood sexual abuse, whether it's like satanic ritual abuse, like this, this became quite a phenomenon. Like there was lots of people that were coming forward around this time. And, and so, uh, you know, they, they weren't saying that these kids were making it up or lying or uh, or just simply having fake memories. But it was more so the case that uh, basically it was a case that the, uh, the the people were seeking therapy and the therapists themselves were downloading were like like implanting these memories inside these people's heads. And that's how it was being propagated. Like all of these allegations were being propagated around the same time. But if you think about it, like, okay, so you remember there was like the, the satanic panic of the 1980s, right? We had all these cases of like the McMartin preschool, like all of these strange cases coming to, to be. Well, if you think about it, you fast forward a little bit, like now all of a sudden all of you have these. And then of course, well, if we can't leave this out, then MK Ultra, right? We had the MK Ultra mind control experiments, which we know they did on children, right? We know that they did that on children, like up in Canada, there's allegations that, uh, you know, uh, what was his name? What's his name? Dr. Death, like escaped Nazi Germany. And, uh, uh, oh, what is his name? I can't even remember. Um, on the tip of my tongue, you know, the, the Nazi doctor that did all the experimentations on kids, they said that he fled and then he was doing, um, experimentations like, uh, up in Canada with Dr. Cameron Ewing, stuff like that. You know, there's so, but, but anyway, imagine like all of these kids who were victims of like MK ultra mind control experiments, like they had to grow up eventually. And so now we're in, in the nineties where all of these kids are coming forward and they are, uh, they're, they're basically out making allegations that during their childhood, they experienced all of these traumatic events. Well, here comes the false memory syndrome foundation along to like sweep all that under the rug and just say, Oh no, no, no. These kids did definitely did not experience any sort of abuse or trauma or anything like that. That never could have possibly happened. They're all the victims of therapeutic malpractice, and they're all the victims of having these false memories implanted into their head. Now, that seems, I mean, okay, all right, maybe, perhaps. Like, I'm willing to at least entertain the idea that that's a possibility. It's possible. I mean, it could be possible. We could, Wouldn't it be nice if we could just explain away all of these horrible things that happened to these kids over the years just as a, either a therapeutic malpractice or a false memory? I would much rather live in a world where that was the case, you know, maybe that would be easier to deal with anyway. You know, I don't want there, I don't want to think that there's just uh, hordes of uh, <laughs> satanic organizations that are, that are out there that are like traumatizing and torturing kids. Like I don't want to live in that world. I'd much rather live in a world of a bunch of sketchy psychologists. Right. But it, but it really doesn't lend itself the amount of credibility once you dive into the false memory syndrome foundation as an organization and you start to understand the people that make up this organization. And that's what we're going to mostly focus on today. And when I say like we, we're just scratching the surface, we're just scratching the surface. Like each one of these characters and individuals are so incredibly sketchy beyond belief that and like one person would lead me to another would lead me to another. And there's just so much to unravel here. It's just mind blowing, mind blowing. Like if you, okay, first of all, if you're going to assemble, if you like, okay, just advice for anybody out there. If you're thinking about starting a foundation, 
if you're thinking about starting an organization, if you're thinking about starting an institution, you probably shouldn't recruit people who were actually involved in the thing that you're creating the institution to guard against. For example, the false memory syndrome foundation is designed to give an explanation to childhood sex abuse cases. Well, you shouldn't pe put people on your scientific advisory board that were directly involved in childhood sexual abuse to begin with. You shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't do that if you want to have any credibility. You probably shouldn't hire people that are open pedophiles that go and give interviews. And well, this is this is like the last one. Like I just stumbled across this one right before I went live because I was still doing research. And I'm like, I can't even, I don't even want to click on some of these links. Like some of these links are just freaky beyond belief. But you shouldn't be, you shouldn't hire like open pedophiles on your advisory board. You just shouldn't do that. Okay. That's probably not a good idea, <laughs> but, but this just, it gets so crazy. You guys, it gets so freaking crazy. So, all right, so let's do this here. So let's jump back over. Now, this is it. This is their website. You guys, their website is FMSF false memory syndrome foundation online.org. And this is it. This is their website. Um, they're very open about a lot of things. Here's their mission statement, or not maybe not mission statement. Here's a quote at the top of the page. Some of our memories are true. Some are a mixture of fact and fantasy, and some are false. Whether those memories seem to be continuous or seem to be recalled after a time of being forgotten or not thought about. Then how do we know if our memories are true? Do any of you have memories that you question whether or not are true? The professional organizations agree. The only way to distinguish between true and false memories is by external corroboration, recovered memories. Are they reliable? So, and it's a very interesting website. Like when you start digging in, look at there's tons and tons and tons of stuff on here. There's they 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 have newsletters going all the way back to the 90s. They have archives. This is a massive, massive, massive operation. Um, now it's 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 uh, important to note it was started in 1992. But the, if you look at the very bottom of the page, the False Memory Syndrome Foundation dissolved December 31st, 2019. So it's actually disbanded and, and it's a defunct organization. So they're actually not currently in operation, although their website's still up and you look at the copyrights still through 2022. So who knows? Who knows? Like, But I think the damage is done. Basically, the idea behind the False Memory Syndrome Foundation has been over the last like three decades has been implemented and used to one blame the victims of alleged sexual abuse and, and just, you know, ritual abuse in general, discredit the victims and provide defense for people who are being accused. That was the main purpose that they've served is to be, be the people who are defense, who, who defend uh, people who are being accused. Okay, so there, there was a lot of small cases that I came across, and maybe we could do more specific dives. Maybe I'll do a part two, digging into some more of these. But uh, let's highlight some of the major cases. So what, what, were, what were some of the major cases that the False Memory Syndrome Foundation was involved in? Okay, so let's first of all look at, uh, so these are, these are some things. We'll get back to all that. So let's, let's talk about a lady named Elizabeth Loftus, okay? Elizabeth Loftus. Now, you may have heard of her. You may have come across her work. I guarantee you have. You just may have not known her or what it is. So she is an advisor. She is on the advisory board of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Um, and so this is just on their website. Wonderful talk by Elizabeth Loftus. News alert, May 28th, 2015. Dear friends, FMSF advisor Elizabeth Loftus has received many Lifetime Achievement Awards. On April 10th, 2015, Cornell University presented her with another the Law, Psychology, and Human Development Lifetime Achievement Award, and Loftus gave an outstanding presentation at the ceremony. Fortunately for us, this one-hour, 21-minute talk was recorded and is available on the Cornell University website. Very sincerely, Pamela Fried, right? Okay, so they're, they love they love Elizabeth Loftus. They're big fans of Elizabeth Loftus. So what, what has Elizabeth Loftus been involved in? So she was... Let's go check it out. Oh, it's the Harvey Weinstein trial. Memory expert and UC Irving professor Elizabeth Loftus testifies for the defense. Oh, so she was a she was a expert witness in the Harvey Weinstein trial. Okay, psychologist Elizabeth Loftus testified for the defense in Harvey Weinstein's rape trial Friday, laying out how memory can be distorted over time. 
Loftus, a distinguished professor at UC Irvine, has appeared as an expert witness in more than 300 trials and has testified in a number of high-profile misconducts, including O.J. Simpson, Ted Bundy, the officers accused of the Rodney King beating, Michael Jackson, and, of course, Bill Cosby. Okay, so now this is, this is kind of an older article. This is an article from 2020. So, yes, so yes, you heard it there. Um, this is, uh, here's another one. Bill Cosby, sexual assault defenses, challenging the memory of witnesses. Mm, yes. Let's see here. So Loftus, let me just make sure. Loftus, there she is. The defense argues that some of the 13 women who could testify will be asked to remember events that occurred nearly 50 years ago, which concerns the defense expert witness on memory, psychologist Elizabeth Loftus. Okay. Now, we're still kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe I can see that, you know, I probably don't remember things as well as I did, you know, but, but, you know, I don't remember things as well that I, or that happened 30 years ago as I remember that happened yesterday, maybe probably not, but think about it. like there, there are some incidences in your life. If you think back, like there's some big things that happened in your life that are just as real today as they were back then. And arguably, you know, traumatic incidences have their own special category. And that's another thing that, well, maybe after I'm done talking about Elizabeth Loftus, we'll backtrack a little bit and, and discuss what the actual claims are, some of the claims that they actually make, you know, as to, you know, justifying what false memory syndrome is and what it isn't. Okay. Um, so, all right. So moving right along. So we, we heard some of the other people that, that uh, Elizabeth Loftus is involved with, but this is a more recent one. Yep, you guessed it, Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell trial, false memory expert testifies for the defense. So they're just, she's just like, Elizabeth Loftus is just like the go-to person. Uh, Elizabeth Loftus in court uh, told the court in New York that people can be subjected to post-event suggestion, hypnosis, blah, blah, blah. So Elizabeth Loftus, advisor of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, is, uh, you know, coming to the defense of all of these horrific, like, like, horrific people right so there you go so that's right off the gate like if you now i'm a little suspicious okay i was willing to give you a little bit of a benefit of the doubt for your little false memory theory but now i'm kind of getting a little questioning of it i'm, I'm kind of getting a little skeptical of it, okay so so what does that mean what does that mean so some of the claims that uh and so this was again from the uh interview that i heard on the nick bryant podcast with uh god what was his name hold on let me pull it up here uh, mm -hmm. Nick Bryant podcast. And this was, a um, it was a recent episode with a Dr. Ashley Conway, UK psychologist professor. So he does a great job. And this is a relatively new episode from eight nineteen. Um, they do a really good job. I suggest you go back and listen to that one as well. Um, I'm, I'm talking to Nick Bryant, trying to get him on the show too, to talk about Franklin scandal and all that good stuff. But, uh, but some of the things that he talks about, so he wrote a book called uh, The Science and the Silenced um, that Dr. Nick Ashley, it's a really good, um, I'm definitely going to have to look into it, but he talks about some of the uh, claims, he talks about like what false memory syndrome is, like some of the things that they talk about. Um, and one of the things it talks about is the concept of traumatic amnesia. So traumatic amnesia, and I'm sure there's people out there maybe listening or watching that, that have experienced trauma in the past. And, and have experienced the phenomenon of like things coming to light later on in life, like, like down the road, things that maybe weren't so clear, maybe becoming more clear or having something trigger a memory, like a smell or a sight or just seeing something that triggers a specific memory that was kind of reclusive back in the day. You know, something that uh, that once you have that memory triggered again, it becomes just as real as ever. You know what I'm saying? So. The, one of the one of the, so there's four pillars of the false memory syndrome and the first one is claiming that there's no such thing as traumatic amnesia and in the interview uh dr ashley talks about you know like uh people that have been in the military or in service or in war battle any of those things like experiencing later on memories just flash back to the forefront you know that that were previously not accessible and so that's the idea of traumatic amnesia when you experience trauma when a person experiences trauma later on that trauma manifests itself in different ways you know things that don't uh that weren't readily available all of a sudden poof just get popped back in and so false memory syndrome claims that there's no such thing as traumatic amnesia if you experience a traumatic event then you will um then that that just it is what it is and it resonates there and it doesn't go away and it kind of actually pushes back on the idea of disassociative identity disorder 
And we know disassociative identity disorder is a real thing, you know, also known as like multiple personality disorders, that sort of thing. Like the idea that trauma creates a response in the human psyche where in order to avoid or escape the trauma, the human psyche will literally fracture and, and create like a barrier or a wall or shield, some sort of protective layer versus itself and the trauma, which can also create a disassociative identity. A dis you go into a disassociative state, which then creates a disassociative identity, right? So it's a deep, it's a deep thing. And so false memory syndrome kind of pushes back on that and says, no, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Uh, it talks about how uh, recall is triggered by therapy, which um, they, they 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 dispute that. They feel that if you are in a therapeutic setting and your 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 memories or your recollection is being induced or triggered by therapy, then that's a problem. That that's uh, that's not a valid way to do it. Um, the other claim, the other third claim, it talks about how delayed recall is worse than continual recall. So it's back to the idea that. You know, I, I'm not going to remember something as well from 10 years ago as I do today, but you know, certain major life events that occur, I can remember certain things just as much today as, as they were when, as if it was like earlier today, you know? So that's, that's something else. And then the other thing that it talks about is that, uh, so if you're, you know, a lot of times when you're doing clinical research, you're doing a uh, research in a laboratory setting around trauma. They're doing experiments and they're they're getting these results of of laboratory based trauma studies, and they're they're using the data gathered from that in order to create like broad generalizations about trauma in general. Whereas when you tr when you, when a person experiences trauma in the real world, like childhood trauma, like that's different, and you can't really recreate that sort of thing in a laboratory setting, you know. So it's the idea of like thought experiments in a classroom versus actual incidences of childhood trauma like comparing those two or trying to do controlled experiments on the two are, are very 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 different you're going to get very very different results from a very calm you know sterile clinical laboratory setting than than a person would experience in an actual traumatic situation so there's a lot of disparity between the two um and and just in that they're saying that laboratory studies are accurate representations of trauma so that's what's another thing that false memory syndrome uh, basically claims that was the fourth pillar is that laboratory studies are are reasonable. And, and then we should use that information versus like, you know, someone going through a traumatic event. So anyway, uh, let's see. So man, it's just, it's a wild, wild, wild ride folks. <laughs> um, let's see here. So who else was involved in the false memory syndrome foundation? Um, let's see. So we got all those. We got all those. So, uh, let's see. So there was a guy named Martin T. Orn, right? So who's Martin Orn? Uh, those of you who have done some, uh, MK ultra research might recognize the name Martin Orn. Uh, Martin Orn was, um, let's see. He was Martin Theodore Orn born October 20, October 16, 1927, lived through the year 2000. He was a professor of psychiatry and psychology at the university of Pennsylvania, and that's where the false memory syndrome foundation like headquarters was at that was in um that was in Pennsylvania. So and just just according to his wikipedia page without even getting too crazy um he was involved in the CIA MK Ultra Manchurian candidate research programs. Orn received CIA funding through the project MK Ultra subproject 84. Um he was involved in like hypnosis and trying to like his stance was that he didn't believe that it was possible to create Manchurian candidates. And so he sought to disprove it. But, but if you go into some of like his more, uh, some of the other claims against him, like it's very clear that he was deeply involved in some of the more scandalous MK ultra experiments. So this is a little takeaway, uh, from this, this cool article on uh, ritual abuse.us. And it says this, this lady and she, this is on like actual, uh, an, an advisory committee, presidential advisory committee on the human radiation experiments um, on government spo sponsored mind controls, a lady named uh, Claudia Mullen. She talks about a couple different experiments that uh, Orn was involved in. Uh, yeah, Hamza knows he, Martin Orn is not a good guy. So uh, Claudia claims twice I overheard conversations concerning a place or part of the agency called ORD, the Office of Research and Development, run by Dr. L. Wilson Green, Stephen Aldrich, and Dr. Martin Orn. Uh, a crude remark was made by Dr. Gottlieb, and you might recognize Dr. Gottlieb. He was one of the key uh, 
key people in the MK Ultra projects. Uh, anyway, the, the, she heard a remark by Dr. Gottlieb about a possible leak in the New Orleans East involving a large group of retarded children who were being given massive doses of radiation. Um, and this is a project run by Martin Orne. And then the second time I heard Martin Orne, the name Martin Orne was a director of scientific office, later changed to the Institute of Experimental Research in order to keep more funding coming from different sources. For the radiation and mind control experiments, Dr. Orne suggested stepping up the amount of all of the stressors used on the subject, such as chemical, biologicals, increasing the volts and lengths of the electric shock treatment, hypnosis, and sexual humiliation, which is the blackmail portion of the project. So Martin Orne was all about like increasing the amount of like sexual torture and humiliation being used on subjects during his MKUltra experiments. And of course, he was on the advisory board of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. In fact, they talk about it. They're very open about this on their website, False Memory Syndrome Foundation. They're open about talking about how he was brought in very early on to their scientific advisory board in order to help recruit other scientists and academics to come on the scientific advisory board. So we've already got two, two heavy hitters so far. We got Elizabeth Loftus and Martin Orne, right? Are you guys ready for this one? This is a big one. This is a heavy one right here. So, and we can go on and on about this uh, Orne character. Um, but like, again, we're just doing like a little surface scratch here, guys. We're just doing a little surface scratch. So where are we at here? Um, okay. Here's, here's some more information about him. Just real quick. Martin Orne was born in Vienna, blah, blah, blah. Immigrated to the United States. Uh, he received research money from the CIA, army, Navy, air force, published many papers relevant to the creation of amnesia and Manchurian candidates, including one entitled, can a hypnotized subject be compelled to carry, but other carry out otherwise unacceptable behavior. Right. I think I've seen that in the, uh, God, what was that? The, uh, true stream media, you know, the idea of that's the whole idea is that can you induce behavior in somebody against their will up to and including like killing somebody else. That's the whole idea of a Manchurian candidate. So Dr. Orne was deeply involved in that. You know, another example is a paper entitled attempting to breach post hypnotic amnesia co-authored by blah, 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 blah. Okay. Dr. Orne studied, the cueing and triggering phenomena developed in Project Bluebird, Project Artichoke, as a method of programming Manchurian candidates. One paper was entitled The Significance of Unwitting Cues for Experimental Outcomes Toward a Pragmatic Approach. So anyway, more stuff to check out if you guys want to. Um, but yeah, he was instrumental in the foundation and proliferation of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Okay, now, you guys ready for this one? This is my favorite. This is my favorite one so far. So... This is, and if you guys think I'm, okay, so here, here's another thing I pulled up here. So this is according to, so this is, a, this is a paper here, False Memory Syndrome Foundation Online. Here's the website. This is like an old, um, on, this is an old, uh, let's see, so False Memories. This is a newsletter from December 1995. So they have newsletter, like I said, they have newsletters, archives going all the way back. And uh, if you just scroll down to the bottom of this newsletter, like I could probably spend years researching this crap. And so this is like right here at the very bottom, they actually list FMSF scientific professional advisory board as of 1995. And so this is a list of all the people. Um, you got Orn. He was, a. Oh, let's see. Yeah. Well, let me scroll back down to the bottom here. Maybe perhaps. He's on here. There he is. Martin Orne, PhD, University of Pennsylvania. Now, the very last one listed, and I don't know what the significance is of being listed last on this sheet, but we have Dr. Lewis Jollyan West, UCLA School of Medicine. Have you guys, show of hands, everybody ever heard of Dr. Lewis Jollyan West? Dr. Jolly? Anybody? Anybody know Dr. Jolly? Okay, talk about another MK Ultra all-star. Okay, so... This is this is Dr. Lewis Jollyan West. Um, did I pull up a picture of him? There he is. Look at him. There's Dr. Lewis Jollyan West. He looks like quite a savory character there. Um, nothing to see here, folks. Just a you know regular, just jovial dude. Um, Dr. Lewis Jollyan West, born October 6, nineteen twenty four, through January second, nineteen ninety nine, was an American psychiatrist involved in the public sphere. Okay, now, again, with Elizabeth Loftus being involved in so many high-profile, like, sex abuse defense cases, this guy is, like, uh, the, the, the Elizabeth Loftus of the Manchurian Candidate Assassins. Like, he coincides with, like, every single freaking Manchurian Candidate Assassin in history, dude. So, 
another thing, yeah, yeah, Hamza called it. One of the things that he's uh, also known for is, uh, well, here, Project MK Ultra, right? Another MK Ultra doctor. Cornell University, uh, West completed his residency, blah, 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 was MK Ultra Institution, the site of the Human Ecology Fund, um, which is kind of like a front organization for funneling money to these CIA uh, MK Ultra programs. He later became a subcontractor for MK Ultra, subproject number 43, um, and the U.S. grant by the CIA, blah, blah, blah. So again, deeply involved. Ooh, got his daughter pregnant. I did not know about Hamza saying he got his daughter pregnant. I did not know about that, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, he's also known for his LSD experiments on animals. Um, he allegedly, or apparently, there was a there was an elephant named Tusco, a bull elephant at Leakin Park Zoo in Oklahoma City. He treated overdosed him with LSD. They expected the drug would trigger a state similar to something must. Instead, the animal began to have seizures five minutes after the LSD was administered, beginning 20 minutes later. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, and so uh oh i thought okay so hold on yeah the death of an elephant yeah yeah the lsd related death of an elephant so he killed this elephant by overdosing it with lsd okay so what else was he involved in let's see what else he was involved in here so this is just an article i looked all this stuff up separately but this article kind of encapsulates each each one of the individual areas that lewis jolly and west was involved in dr jolly so uh I think his first claim to fame, the first little project that he got involved, like he was doing MK Ultra experiments. But then, fast forward to the assassination of uh, JFK, and then the subsequent murder of Lee Harvey Oswald by a guy named Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby was imprisoned, and uh, they brought in a doctor to assess Jack Ruby's sanity. And of course, that doctor was Doctor Lewis Jollyan West. <laughs> so he he went in and assessed uh, Jack Ruby. Next up on the, the Manchurian Candidate all Hall of Fame, we have uh, Sirhan Sirhan, right? The alleged assassin of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, he came in and uh, Lewis, Dr. West came in and, and assessed him as well, okay? Now, keep going, keep going. I ain't done yet. And then, okay, so back to the uh, back to the, the Wikipedia here. So Patty Hearst, uh, I'm not sure if many of you have heard of Patty Hearst. She was like a famous actress, I believe, who joined the... Uh, who was it? Um, something SLA. The, oh yeah, the Symbionese Liberation Army. Um, joined them and like they were doing like bank robberies and stuff like that. And she got arrested for helping them with some bank robberies, which is a really interesting story. And so this this is kind of like um, you know, a classic case of like Manchurian Candidate slash like Stockholm Syndrome, brainwashing, all that stuff. And so. Dr. West was involved in uh, as an expert witness in her trial, apparently. So there was some overlap there. Okay, going back to other things that he was involved in. So Louis Jolly and West apparently had a uh, uh, a clinic in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco. And as, as the story goes, this was a clinic that Charles Manson attended, right? Apparently Charles Manson was like on probation or parole or something like that. And he met with his PO officer in the clinic, ran or... In a clinic, I don't know if it was ran by or if Dr. West had a, just an office inside the clinic that Charles Manson would regularly attend. So there's that overlap as well, which is really interesting. And then, of course, and then, of course, Dr. West was uh, involved with Timothy McVeigh. So there's like letters that Timothy McVeigh wrote back um, claiming that he'd met with Dr. West. Right. And so so if you think about it, dudes, we have like Jack Ruby. Patty Hearst, Sirhan Sirhan, Timothy McVeigh, Charles Manson, like all these people that are just like classic, classic Manchurian candidates. Somehow all, all of which like involved in some sort of like mind control, something or another. Right. And of course, we're at the pinnacle, the, like the hub, the spoke of all of these individuals is Lewis Jolly and West, who was on the freaking scientific advisory board of the false memory syndrome foundation. Oh, there's Orrin right there. Listed right there. So this is a, uh, this is the, the False Memory Syndrome Foundation Advisory Board. Okay, now, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Now, man, I, I really want to do a deep dive on like each one of these crazy cast of characters for sure. But this last one came up in one of these uh, podcasts I was listening to earlier on this. And uh, this guy, I don't even want to like, like I was doing some research on it. I don't even want to click on some of the links. So this guy was a guy named Ralph Underwager. Ralph Underwager, right? Um, let me see. Okay, so 
just to prove that he's involved, right? This is page six of this uh, February 2004, February 2004 False Memory Syndrome Foundation newsletter, okay? Ralph Underwager, page six. It says that, uh, where the hell did he go? In, mem in memoriam of Ralph C. Underwager, PhD, is with sadness that we note the death of Ralph C. Underwager. Dr. Wager began his career as a blah, 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 blah. Um, many False Memory Syndrome Foundation families learned about the foundation through Ralph and Helinda Wakefield. His calm advice gave comfort to many whom have been devastated by the loss of a child and the accusations of decades-old child abuse. So, okay, so he was instrumental in helping proliferate the message of the false memory syndrome foundation. Okay. Okay. So who's this guy, Ralph underwager. Okay. Let's see. Uh, journalists reconsider. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So this is where I started to be like, dude, I don't even want to click on these links anymore. So, uh, let's see Ralph underwager. Okay. So this guy, blah, blah, blah. Talks about Pamela Fred in a new light. She defends Ralph underwager's interview with a Dutch pedophile magazine okay so apparently there's a dutch pedophile magazine and so i just clicked on a slash interview so what is this interview with a dutch pedophile magazine okay so this so this is the pedica interview a, a publication called pedica and i'm like what the fuck is that and so now they're talking about okay so these are apparently the question asked by pedica could you describe your views on pedophilia or your perspective as a psychologist in the u.s helinda wakefield whoever she is our main idea about pedophilia is that it's learned behavior. We don't think it's inborn genetic or hormonal. Like homosexuality, we believe it's learned at a young age and that the person has a subjective reality that they've always been used to it. Blah, blah, blah. Ralph Underwager. We've been heavily involved in dealing with issues of child abuse for a number of years. We've also been involved in a number of years in providing therapy for a variety of sexual dysfunctions, dysphorias, and, and paraphilias. Um, blah, 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 blah. This goes on to say, like, oh, my God. Like, okay, so... This is just another article from Padik I pulled up. The Dutch pedophile emancipation movement. So there's like a deliberate effort to like normalize. And this is like all the way back to the 80s and 90s, dude. And uh, this Ralph Wager guy. Let's see. So yeah, this is Padika. Padika is apparently the Journal of Pedophilia, which was a published between 1987 and 1995. It was a scholarly peer-reviewed journal published by the Stitching Padika Foundation in the Netherlands. Articles drawn from it are available from a number of pedophile activist websites. And so this guy was literally interviewed on this fucking website, dude. And, uh, oh God. Yeah. And, and so God, what was it? There was one quote that, that I, hold on. I have it in my notes here. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. Literally a quote from this dude. Uh, oh geez. Do I have it? Where did I write it down? Um, let me see. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Um, I don't even want to be. So yeah, when I was like clicking on, I was searching Padika, there's all these really sketchy pages. I'm like, dude, I ain't clicking on that, dude. Hell no. <laughs> uh, Underwager. Let's see if I can find this quote. Uh, no, I can't find it. I, I apologize, but it was like the most horrific thing. Basically just talking about like, you know, we need to uh, like understand that um, child abuse and pedophilia is just a part of the human experience, you know, and we just need to like, you know, make it more normal and acceptable and all that shit dude like seriously like not even freaking kidding you man so look him up ralph underwager i mean maybe don't look him up don't click on anything don't click on any of the links that pop up there but yeah man that's that's what we got so so what happened so what happened to the, the false memory syndrome foundation well it seems like they did their damage they wreaked havoc on society they've done a lot to propagate the idea of like you know victims are really the ones to blame and uh and, and, and that, um, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. There's definitely no abuse or anything going on behind closed doors. Like there's none of this stuff's happening. Like it's, it's all good. You guys like, just please, whatever you do, don't look at, don't look under the rug. So I don't know, man. I feel like, like I said, it's, I could go on for like a, like hours and hours and hours talking about this stuff, but those are kind of the highlights that I came across. Um, what do you guys think, man? Like, 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 let me know in the comments what you think about that, because, uh, I don't even know, man. Like, it just seems like it's just so evil, man. It's just so evil. And I mean, we see it, we know it to be true. We know what's going on. We know firsthand, but, uh, yeah. So that's pretty much what I got for you guys today. Like this was a fun little first little, uh, rebunked rabbit hole. 
and uh, something to chew on for you. So like Jolyn West, Lewis Jolyn West, that's a guy that's come up in my research a few times. And I'm just like, dude, that is wild, wild stuff. So uh, anyway, if you guys, uh, if you guys appreciate this, you know, you can support the show, become a subscribe star member, subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked, like hop in there. Five bucks a month, man. Helps me keep doing these more often. I've got a couple other ones that I'm kicking around and do some research for. And uh, we're just going to kind of go from there. Um, yeah, man. I freaking uh, I love getting to do this with you guys. Um, maybe I'll do a uh, recap here one of these days and tell you about um, tell you about my trip to Austin, hanging out with the uh, – I mean, maybe I don't – maybe some of you listening may not know about that, but I went down – maybe I'll just do it real quick. So I went down to Austin. I met up with my buddy Matt Baker. We met, we went down through uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, hung out at Infowars Summerfest. I got to meet a whole bunch of the Infowars crew. Um, made a little documentary. If you go to my Bandot video page, you'll see the little mini documentary I made about it. Uh, pretty stoked about that. And uh, Matt and my new friend Frank Cavanaugh, who's the former bass player of Filter, um, they uh, they they were on Harrison's show, Harrison Smith, in the morning on uh, well, the American Journal is the name of the show. Uh, which is the morning show on Infowars. Like they were both on there and I got to go hang with them in the studio. Uh, we went in there and uh, man, it was such a trip. Like that whole, the whole studio is like, it's just like it's cool memorabilia and just badass shit everywhere, man. Like it was so badass. And so they they brought us in and they were like, you know, don't, don't expect to meet Alex. Like you're not, you're probably not going to meet Alex. Like he basically just shows up. He walks in, he does his thing. He goes into the back entrance, goes to his office. He does his show prep. He comes out. He gets on in his studio. He does his show. And if you do see him, like, don't don't bug him. Don't don't like you know. He's just gonna be doing his own thing. You don't want to make him mad or anything like that. And so we're like, okay, cool. So I was sitting there in the green room. Uh, Frank was out doing something. Matt went walked and went to the bathroom, and he came back. And uh, while he was walking back, I heard him say, "Hey, Alex, Alex, you got time for a hug?" And I was like, "Oh shit." And so, like, I peeked my head out of the green room like that. I was like, oh, no. And sure enough, there he was. There was Alex. And, like, he was, like, giving giving Matt a big hug. And uh, I, like, took a couple steps out of the green room. And, uh, and, and uh, well, what's up, Death to Tyrants? Like, uh, if you just joined in, like, go check out the rest of this episode. Go rewind and watch this thing, dude. It's a good one. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Alex saw me stepping out of the green room. He walked right up to me, man. Stuck out his hand. Shook hands. I introduced myself. I said, Scott Armstrong, Rebunk News. And he goes, yeah, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, really? Like he knew? He knew? That was pretty cool. I don't know. I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh, we were just like, Alex, we missed you at the event, man. You should have been there. Like we were all just wanting to love on you, man. Like, come on. And he's like, I'm working seven days a week. They're trying to take us down, but they ain't going to do it. And we're like, all right, Alex, just go get him, man. Go get him, dude. And so uh, that, that was it, man. And then he turned around and walked away. So I just had this like brief interaction, handshake. And uh, that was that. Um, we were able to hang out in the studio a little bit afterwards and uh, like peeking through the production room and like got to see Alex, like in his, in his studio doing his thing. Um, he was just like, I got to see him do one of those. And it was just cool being there, man. Like truly an honor. Everybody that works there is just on the level. There's definitely, dude, you, if you see these operations, like I was there watching the whole production of the Harrison Smith, his, his show, you know, like nobody there is taking, taking like uh faxes from Mossad. Like nobody's like uh <laughs> they're literally just like a legit crew of like like true seekers are just trying to get the information out there dude it's pretty cool um i got nothing but love and respect and appreciation for them allowing me to have a platform and a voice on their platform you know what i mean like that's such an honor and i just want to honor and support that i mean the whole weekend was just so crazy man like we went out with uh primetime 99 alex stein who was there and owen schroyer and like me and matt and him were like out at this club saturday night dude just like it was nuts dude it was nuts um Great networking opportunity. I'm just super grateful for the whole thing. Uh, I was able to have, uh, so Christy Lee, Christy Lee TV is going to be coming on the show this Thursday. So keep an eye out for that Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to be doing a live stream with Christy Lee. Um, I met Greg Reese. So we got Greg Reese coming up on the show soon. Um, you know, probably like the, all the Info Wars crew, like Alex Harrison, Owen, like probably not going to pressure them too much. They got so much going on. Like once you see like behind the curtain, like what's going on there, dude, it was like, it was, it's nuts, man. Like I'm not trying to like bug them too much, but, uh, but yeah, man, I got a lot of cool episodes coming up and, um, yeah, man. So I'm going to Missouri this weekend for the first national Bertaria festival in Missouri. So I'm going to meet a lot of other crushers. So I'm excited about that. But, uh, 
Otherwise, man. Oh, dude, that's a tyrant. Thank you, man. Thank you for the tip. Keep respect, bro. Keep up the good work. He says, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, really, really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, man, that's how we do. That's how we do false memory syndrome foundation. Let me just make sure Let me go through my notes here and make sure I didn't miss anything. Cause there's so much in there, dude. Like between like, like I said, man, if you're going to, if you're going to make an organization to <laughs> like prop up your claim, you shouldn't, well, how do I say this? Like, what's a good, what's a good comparison? Like, let's say, uh, yeah, let's say I want to make like the anti-drunk driving prolifer, like, like the anti-drunk driving team, right? I want to make the anti-drunk driving foundation, right? And on the advisory board of the anti-drunk driving foundation, I put like all the guys from Jackass in the, in their prime. Like I go back to like, you know, 2000, 2003 and put like Steve-O, Steve-O on, on the, on the, the advisory board of the anti-drunk driving foundation. Right. Or if I go and I get like Doug Stanhope on the, I mean, I don't know, like Doug's pretty, keeps it pretty mellow, but you know what I mean? Like the most craziest, insane, like just insane people you could possibly imagine on the advisory. It's kind of like that. Like the people involved in the crime are involved in the cover up, man. That's just so, so textbook. Okay. So like, just to bring it to like how it is now, like it would be the equivalent of like having like the, the anti, the anti COVID response, it would be like if Fauci and Deborah Burks and uh, Joe Biden and all of them started a podcast calling like like the anti the anti uh, anti COVID anti lockdown podcast. You know what I mean? It'd be like them trying to create an organization to push back against vaccine mandates or something like that. Like like the people literally responsible for the the childhood abuse and the MK Ultra shit where these people are making the claims from, they put them on the scientific advisor, like the whole thing, dude, false memory syndrome foundation, like check it out. Oh, that is one more thing I did want to show you guys. Okay. And so this, if you're going to, if you're going to peruse through the false memory syndrome foundation website, um, here's a good research tip. And, and I, and this is really cool because when I was down at, at Austin, I actually taught. Yeah. It's like the FBI investigating the FBI. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, when I was down in Austin, I actually got to show Greg Reese this little uh, research tip. Now, this is cool. Actually, I'll, I'll show you a couple here. So this is, and I've done, I did an episode on this way back in the Truezilla days, just like a research tip, strategy, suggestions. But uh, check this out. So if you're if you're looking for a, because we all know that like DuckDuckGo has been compromised, right? You guys all know that. So DuckDuckGo sucks. But here's a good one: Yandex. You guys ever heard of Yandex? Y-A-N-D-E-X, Yandex.com. What is Yandex? Well, this is apparently the, the main, it's like the Google of Russia. So this is this is what they use in Russia as a search engine. And they have an English version. If you go to Yandex.com, that is the uh, the American version or the English version. If you go to like Yandex.ru, obviously that's going to be the uh, the Russian version. So that's all. So this is the, this is the main thing. Yandex.ru is Russia's main search engine right there. But if you go to Yandex.com, you can use it index.com now i'll show you an example like let's go to google let's do uh let's do a search for um um what's a controversial one hunter biden biden laptop all right let's see what google says um what's the first search result Hunter Biden laptop controversy. Zuckerberg tells Rogan FBI, blah, blah, blah. BBC. So you got BBC, Washington Post, Amazon. Okay, so let's go back to Yandex. Let's go to Yandex and just as an experiment and see what, what pops up on the Hunter Biden laptop. Before it's news. Whoa, that's crazy. Look at this. The Gateway Pundit. The Gateway Pundit popped up as the fourth search result on Yandex. That's kind of badass. So I'm a fan. Yandex is cool. I've done searches over there and they give me like way like super like on point results that are not Google aggregated and just like Google censored. So Yandex is a great research tool. Now, let's see. So death the tyrants just threw in in the chat. Let's see. Libra wolf Libra. Hold on. If I can type Libra wolf. Oh, it's a browser. Okay. All right. I'll check that out. I'll check that out. Oh, .net. Sorry. Libra wolf.net. I'll check that out. Okay. Oh, let's see. There you go. A fork of Firefox based on private security and freedom. Okay, I'll check that out. I'll check that out. Thank you. But the other one, I want to show you guys this. This is really cool. So these are called Google Dorks. Are you guys familiar with Google Dorks? Have you ever heard of Google Dorks? Um, 
they're basically used to, I think hackers use them to find vulnerable databases. So this is kind of the, the deal. So they have different like search functions. You type in any URL to do is it's going to search for certain, um, you know, certain words or phrases or things inside the URL right here, the URL tag. So if you look here, the suggested search results, you see all these, like these are, these are people searching for vulnerable websites. So if you look at in URL admin forward slash index.php username, password. So they're looking for URLs that contain that phrase, which are then accessible by the public, which will then give you usernames and password. Now, now that's probably, that's probably not, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to type it in. I'm not even going to type it in because well, I just typed it in by accident, but I'm not trying to teach you like hacking or like, like bad techniques. I'm just showing you, this is what Google dorks, like people have found a use for Google dorks. If you're typing Google dorks, get a list of the dorks, you know what I'm saying? Like a, like a cheat sheet. Um, and you can learn more about exploits, hacking databases, all that crap. And I'm not suggesting you go do that. I'm just giving you an idea of what these are kind of there for what they're designed. I don't know if Google designed them to be this way, but Google dorks are like targeted search, uh, instructions. Okay. So in URL colon, and you can type in something that you want to search in the, in, in the URL. If you type in in title like that, it's going to search for like the website title, right? So like each one of these websites has like a, you know what I mean? The title of the web page. it's going to search for that. But the one that I use, and this is really the only time I ever use Google is when I'm doing one of these targeted search results. And it's really cool. You go site, okay, site. And what it's going to do, you do site colon, and then it's going to search only within the site that you designate. So for example, like when I was preparing for this, FMFS, false, no, SF, FMSF, false memory syndrome foundation online, online.org. So now this is only going to deliver me search results inside false memory syndrome foundation online. So if I want to type in, uh, if I wanted to find all the websites that contain Dr. Ju Lewis Jolly and West inside F the false memory syndrome website, I type in, I type in site colon, no space, the name of the website space. And then in quotes, you type in what search result you want. So Jolly and so these are all the, the pages that have Dr. Lewis Jolly and West West listed. Um, if I wanted to type in that, um, who was that guy? Who was that fucking freak? What was his name? Um, oh Jesus, getting these websites off of there. I'm just going to close those real quick. It's not good. Not good. Not good folks. Uh, under wager. Okay. So let's go back. So we're looking for all of the websites on the false memory syndrome foundation website that contain under wager. There he is. So this, 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 person who is a very outspoken proponent of the normalization of pedophilia. These are all the websites on false memory syndrome foundation that he's listed and, uh, you know, a part of. So now we're going to take it up to another level. You guys ready for this? This is where it gets really fun. Okay. So you go site, we can go whitehouse.gov. Okay. And we can look at the white house webpage and we can, uh, find out all of the, let's, let's look for the word shit. Is the word shit in the whitehouse.gov web? Nope, it isn't. Okay. So um, let's go. What's what's a good word we could search on there? Let's do a mandate. All right. So these are all of the these are all the pages on White House. You see how it's only giving me whitehouse.gov results? So these are all the whitehouse.gov websites that include the word mandate. Um, let's see. Now you want to kick it up another notch. Watch this. Now, if you take out White House and you replace White House with an asterisk. Now, so this is the key right here. This is the search result. You go site colon asterisk dot gov. The asterisk sits there as a wild card. And that's going to basically right now it's going to search every single government website, dot gov website, every single dot gov website. Here, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's have a little fun. Let's go NSA dot gov right colon nsa.gov we'll go we'll type in fuck we'll see how many times they say fuck on the nsa website okay none nsa.gov that's the right one right nsa.gov yeah okay good just making sure so they don't have the word fuck on their website that's crazy oh shit yeah, there we go. Okay, so these are all the websites within the NSA.gov that contain the word shit. Um, 
classified, so don't get all that shit shook. What is this? What is this website right here? What is this? Some crazy PDF on the NSA website. Ooh, this looks pretty cool. Whatever it is. Anyway, so that's kind of fun. Um, oh, did I lose it? Okay, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet with these gorks. Dorks. Let's go back to Google.com. So site colon or okay, site colon asterisk dot gov. And we're gonna look for the word we're just gonna go fuck. We're gonna look for all the government websites that contain the word fuck. There we go. There's PubChem, NIH, 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 NIH. Oh, wow. What is this crazy? Look at this. All these search results. NIH, NIH, NIH. Wow. Wow. What? I didn't realize that the NIH was so um, excited about using the word fuck. But let's say I want something other than the NIH results. You just go minus at the end of this search term, NIH, and it will exclude anything that contains the NIH. So now these are all the non-NIH websites. Okay, that's interesting, that first search result. The Kalamazoo Public Library, okay. <laughs> Here's a guy, um, U.S. Geological Survey. There's a guy named Reinhard A. Fuck, <laughs> who's the author of something. Um, crust, crustal structure beneath the Paleozoic. Yeah, anyway, so there's an author named Reinhard Fuck. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so anyway, okay, so now we're, now we're getting crazy. Okay. So star.gov. Now you can also do this edu, which is, uh, you know, it'll search for all of the edu websites, any of the university websites. If you're looking for a specific article or something like embedded in one of the, like, you know, some sort of website you can do specific, like you can just go to whatever the website, I don't know, Stanford. I don't even know if that's the address for Stanford, stanford.edu. Um, Safe search is off. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, maybe I should be careful what I'm typing in here with that. Okay, let's go. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wonder if Reinhardt had trouble finding a publisher. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, and then the last one that I'm just going to show you guys right here real quick is just um, instead of .edu, you can go star.mil, and that's going to give you all of the if you want to search like military websites, okay, so there you go. So if you really want to get, you really want to get on some lists, you do some Google targeted search results using Google dorks and you can do search the NSA, you can search the CIA, military websites and get all the information that you've been wanting to know. So, okay. So that was like a nice little tangent, but I was using this a lot for the false memory syndrome research because I was trying to find specifically in the, in their own words, I was trying to find on the false memory syndrome website where they were talking about some of these topics, right? Or some of these people. I wanted to verify, hey, is Dr. Lewis like, I know Lewis Jolly and West. I know he's a complete scumbag from, you know, other research that I've done. And I heard claims that he's involved in the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. But I wanted to make sure. I wanted to see it in their own words. And so sure enough, if you do a targeted search result, search only within the False Memory Syndrome Foundation website, and you can find in their own words, here, hey, look, here's our scientific advisory board. And here's Lewis Jolly and West. Bam, right there. So take that information and go use it to do your own deep dives, do your own presentations, verify your information, um, you know, fact check yourself. I found it to be very, very useful over the years using those search results. So there you are. That is my gift to you for today. Yeah, great. Awesome. So this turned into a pretty fun little episode. Glad you guys all were able to hang out and spend time with me this afternoon. Thank you, Death to Tyrants, for the little tip in the money jar. And uh, I will see you guys all Thursday with the great Christy Lee. So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Peace.